Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You may be seated. So today, for our message, it's my blessing and honor to welcome Jeff Locke back to give us and deliver us God's word. Jeff is no stranger to Wellspring. Um, for those of you who have been with us for a while, uh, Jeff and his wife Kathy planted Grace Alameda Church in Alameda, and um, yeah, we have been so richly blessed in many different ways, both in friendship as a church to him, him to us, as well as to Kathy, who was a former member of our church. And uh, we, just in our friendship, our relationship together, and uh, they recently have left Grace Alameda and are preparing for a new ministry. And so with that, I'll let Jeff share a little bit about that, but let's give him a warm welcome. Thanks, Sam. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a blessing to be with you all. Um, I, I was joking with the, the first service. Um, we got totally lost coming here because this is my first time. This is our first time worshiping with you all in this new space. And we're so happy and excited that you're here and moved in. And like the, even the bathroom, it looks really nice. Like everything's just like on point. Well done. Um, I know, um, you know, it's, uh, Sam said, I have um, left uh, Grace Alameda. We uh, planted that church back in 2013 with uh, some, some folks here, and um, we just felt the Lord leading us on um, to a new ministry. I'm actually in the process of being, being ordained in the Anglican Church in North America, and um, there's a whole story behind that, and if you would like to know more, I'd be happy to share with you, but it's probably not that helpful to do all of that right now, because it's a really long story, but um, it's, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to see um, old friends and new, and if you would, um, let's pray, and uh, we'll ask for God's help this morning. Father God, we thank you for being our God. You are our dwelling place in every generation, Lord. We thank you that you have um, called us to yourself, that you've made us for yourself, and that you've redeemed us for yourself through the work of Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that um, you would be with us this morning, that the words that I speak would be your very word, that you would um, open our eyes, ears, and hearts to receive this word. We pray, Lord God, that you would change us, transform us, and conform us to the image of Christ Jesus, your Son, through this word, and that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when I was a young child, growing up in Southern California, my family went to Disneyland fairly often. And every time we went to Disneyland, I got in big trouble with my mom and dad. It didn't matter what time of year it was. It didn't matter what friends we went with. It didn't matter how many times I had been before. Every single time we went to Disneyland, 
I would behave like a little jerk. My parents, on watching me behave like a little jerk, would have to take me aside and correct me. And then after getting a little bit of you know, parental discipline, I would be all right. So maybe you ask why. Why did I get in trouble every time I went to Disneyland? Why would a little kid act like a little jerk every time he went to the happiest place on earth? It might sound odd, but the reason I acted like a little jerk was because Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. See, I've always had a strong and active imagination. And when I was a young child, I heard the words, the happiest place on earth. I took them very seriously. And so I imagined the happiest place on earth. And when I would picture Disneyland, I would picture a place of total and complete happiness of utter and unending rapture, a sort of heaven come down to Anaheim, California. But you know what? The rockets in Tomorrowland, they just go up and down like a glorified Dumbo ride. The rifles in Frontierland, they make a noise like they're shooting, but they don't really hit anything. And Tom Sawyer's Island, which is no more, as, much, as many hideouts and caves as there might be, there, there is no buried treasure to be discovered there. It's like each time I went, I was hoping against hope that my, my dreams, my imaginings of the happiest place on earth would be realized. And when they weren't, I would sulk, I would pout, complain, whine, I would get into trouble. And then I'd be okay the rest of the time. I might be weird for getting in trouble every time I went to Disneyland, but I don't think it's weird at all to be driven by hope. In the end, all of us are driven by hope, by an imagined future that we're moving towards, that we're striving for, that we're motivated by. Without hope, life stops moving. It becomes listless, meaningless. All of us as human beings need hope. And yet so often we place our hope in the wrong things. As a kid, I hoped for an amusement park bliss and found myself disappointed every time. And that misplaced hope led me into trouble. So what about you today? What drives you? What motivates you? What imagined future gets you out of bed in the morning? Gets you onto another Zoom call? Gets you prepping breakfast for the kids or back on the road for your daily commute? That's the question that I want to leave you with today. What drives you? What do you hope in? In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Apostle Paul taught that there are three virtues that last, three habits of character that we can spend our whole lives investing in, building our lives toward that will endure into eternity. He writes there that these three remain, faith, hope, and love. That only faith, hope, and love remain, endure, last. And today I'd like to talk with you about the second of those virtues, about how we can go about learning hope. That's the title of today's sermon, Learning Hope. But before we dive into the passage and let it teach us how to to hope, I need to ask an odd question. How does the human soul work? What are the parts of the human soul? 
How do they function together? It's probably not the sort of question you ask yourself every day, and that's okay. But if the soul is where we build up those virtues of faith and hope and love, then how do we go about making them a part of who we are in our deepest heart? And to answer that question, I think it's helpful to go back to church history and learn from wiser teachers and Christians. St. Gregory of Nyssa was a saint who lived in uh, the, what's now called Turkey 16 centuries ago. And I think he helps here. He wrote that there are three parts to the soul, what I'll call reason, drive, and desire. And reason is pretty straightforward. It's our rational understanding of what's true. And if we want to grow in, re- in faith, then we need to understand how it connects to reason, that faith is the virtue we associate with reason, where, where we train our hearts to think rightly in line with what we know is true about God and ourselves. The desire is what we want. And love is the Christian virtue of training our hearts to put God and others before ourselves in our desire. And the drive, what motivates and moves us, the, the meaning we give ourselves in our lives, that is where we train for the virtue of hope. Now, St. Gregory wrote that, that the, 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 the soul is like the doorposts on the night of the Passover. As Israel was getting ready to flee slavery from Egypt, on that night of their great deliverance, God told them to sacrifice a lamb without blemish or spot, to prepare it for dinner, and then take the blood of the lamb and spread it on the doorposts of their homes. And then the angel of God, as it came through to plague Egypt with the death of their firstborn child, the angel of God would see the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and pass over the houses of Israel. Now, St. Gregory takes that image, and he says that the three posts of the door are like the three aspects of the soul. Reason belongs on top. You have to lead with reason. And then drive and desire are like the two side doorposts. In order for us to grow as vir- in virtue as Christians, if we're going to put on Christ and become more and more like him, then he says we have to keep our souls in order. And so reason, formed by faith in Christ, has to lead and direct our whole lives. You can't put the, the, the top doorpost on the bottom. Our drives and desires then go underneath that, and they'll be conformed to Christ in hope and in love as we let ourselves be led by faith. But if our drive, our motivation, the, the meaning we tell ourselves we will find in this world is placed above reason, then our souls will be disordered. We will make room for Satan and his demons to sneak into the home of our souls and lead us astray. In other words, if we tell ourselves that we are going to the happiest place on earth and imagine that it will be as satisfying as heaven itself, well, then we're going to end up acting like a little jerk because we're disappointed and have to suffer the consequences. Now, I want you to keep all of that in mind as we look at Colossians 3. Paul begins in verse 1 saying, If then you have been raised with Christ. What he's saying is, if you belong to Christ by faith, then you should seek the things that are above. What he's saying is that, that we need to move, we need to drive towards, we need to hope in the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
He wants us to seek what's in heaven because we know by faith that that's where Christ is. See, your faith in Christ, which you know to be true about him from his word, that should be placed above your drive, your hope, the imagined future that pushes you forward in life. Faith should, should shape our ideas about that future. It should locate our future towards which we strive, not in this world at all. No, it should locate our future in heaven, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's why Paul goes on to say that we should set our minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For we know by faith that we have died in Christ, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, if we know that to be true, if our reasoning about ourselves and the world around us fundamentally shaped by our faith in Christ, then hope, that thing that, that motivates us to get out of bed each morning, our hope will be that when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that, friends, is how faith produces hope. Faith tells us what is fundamentally true about ourselves, the universe, and our God. And that then leads us to locate our desired future in a new location. It leads us to locate that future not on earth or the things we have in this life. It leads us to locate it in heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In fact, it's, it's, it's kind of misleading to talk about it in the future tense because hope is assent. It's not going forward. It's not about time. It's about reaching up into heaven itself and growing in our union with God in Christ. Hope, yes, is an imagined future, but it's not primarily about time. Hope is not about the calendar. Hope is about destiny. Any earthly future for which we hope is uncertain, unclear, unpredictable. Christian hope doesn't lead us to look forward. Christian hope leads us to look up. Now, hope is a virtue. It's a practice, a behavior that we learn and work at until it becomes second nature. Like you, you practice the scales on the piano until you don't have to think about what key you're in anymore. You just know what keys to play. So how do we practice? How do we practice hope so that it becomes second nature? How do we grow in the Christian virtue of hope? Well, Scripture teaches that we learn hope through prayer. That prayer is the practice of hope. And the prayer Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer, reveals the nature of Christian hope. Whatever our earthly circumstances may be, whatever we suffer or endure, Hope always prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I was a kid, my misdirected hope in Disneyland said, not thy kingdom, but my kingdom come, my will be done. And when my kingdom didn't come and my will wasn't done, it left me crushed, disappointed, and misbehaving. I was looking down at the earth 
for, for a, a hoped-for earthly result, and that downward gaze pulled me and my soul down with it. I became a worse version of myself the more I aimed at this world. You see, this is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is such good news. Christ came down from heaven so that he could lift us up. St. Athanasius famously said that God became human so that humanity could become God. Not God's. We're not all our own little individual gods ruling our own planets or anything like that. No, God became human so that we could become one with God, united to God in Christ, so that we could die with Christ and our true life would be hidden with Christ in God. At the beginning of the sermon, I I asked the question, what drives you? What moves and motivates you? Let me refine that a little bit and ask this, what is it that your life is aiming at? What is your Disneyland in this world? What is it that you tell yourself, if I only had blank, then life would be just how I want it? Is it financial security? Is it owning a home in the Bay Area or having a, a second home someplace that you enjoyed a vacation? Is it finding a relationship, a partner? A spouse? Is it quiet and obedient children? Or is it having driven, successful, well-off children? What upgrade to your present life are you seeking above all the others? Is it comfort, pleasure, power? What are you aiming at? What are you hoping Friends, if we're going to live lives that last, if we're going to draw near to God and not have wasted our lives, then we need to practice the virtue of hope. We grow in hope through prayer. We grow in hope through communion with God, learning to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. A life wasted is a life lived for something in this world. As C.S. Lewis put it, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. It's my encouragement to you this week is to take time. Take time to pray. Take time to draw near to God and let him draw near to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is it that that motivates and drives you. And then practice the Lord's Prayer. And through the prayer that Jesus taught us, train yourself for hope so that the cry of your heart would be, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father God, we praise you that you have thrown open the doors of your heavenly temple that we might come to you in prayer anytime 
on account of what Christ has done for us. He is our great high priest who ever lives to intercede for us. He is our God who has led us into the heavenly places and brought us to your very throne, the throne of grace that we would find mercy to help in time of need. Father, forgive us for the ways that we aim at the things of this world and fail to to wonder and, and stand in awe at what you've already done for us in your son. Forgive us for the ways that we make an idol out of this earth and fail to realize that our life is hidden with Christ in you. And may we recognize that our true life is already there in the heavenly places. That we don't have to get there, mount up there, do the work to get there, but that by grace we already are there as your sons and daughters, beloved by you on account of Christ. And receiving your grace, receiving what you've done for us through the Lord Jesus, may we live into that. May we live into what what you've granted us, the, 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 the wonder, the beauty, the joy of being your children, being able to come to our Father with our requests, with our hurts, with our needs. And in the process, having our, our desire, our drive transformed from what it once was in the old self to becoming new and conformed to Christ. Lord, would we have our hearts revealed to us by your spirit. Would you show us who we really are? And in you revealing our sin and convicting us of our failure, would we remember the truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that nothing can separate us from your love? Would we receive these truths of the gospel? Would we live hard into them, Lord God? May we be satisfied with nothing but heaven itself. And God, would you reveal to us the peace and the joy that come with remaining in Christ, the true vine, in our true life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.